Good morning. Today is December 22nd, 2020. I am your host, Evan George, and welcome to Bostopian News. And here's what's happening in the news today. In response to the body camera footage of the Boston Police Department showing officers laughing about intentionally hitting innocent marchers with their vehicles and assaulting protesters, Marty Walsh came to their defense saying that officers were hurt that night and it got way out of control. There were lots of emotions, but we all have to do better. Blaming emotions after what is the shocking display of police violence caught on camera is absolutely appalling and points that the real problem keeping Boston and Massachusetts from police reform are politicians who intentionally look the other way even when the evidence is caught right on camera because to acknowledge the role that the police truly play in our society is too horrifying for them and they'd rather pretend that a few more race diversity classes will be the solution but a truly disgusting response from marty walsh in what appears to be another money-making scheme by boston police officers nearly 300 police officers in the department are out on medical leave, earning a paycheck, which is tax-free, while another officer is paid for overtime to fill that staffing need. This means that more than 12% of Boston officers are currently out on leave, in what experts say is a mind-boggling number. And no, these numbers do not factor in COVID. When compared to police departments of similar size, even ones that have a lot more activity. San Francisco only has 5.1% out on medical leave. San Diego, 1.3%. Over in Worcester, under 5% are out on sick leave or are injured. And no one can explain why Boston's numbers skyrocketed in the past half decade, tripling the normal amount. And after being plagued with the overtime scandal for that same time period, it most certainly looks like this is just another theft from the public. I wonder if we can blame this on their emotions as well. Massachusetts's vaccine rollout is less than a week old, but it is already facing computer glitches, supply cuts, and complaints about people cutting in the line. This A quote from Robert Wiseman and Kay Lazar's piece in The Globe today. This story focusing on Mass General trying to fix software glitches and crashes, which is keeping thousands of their employees, the nurses, doctors, frontline healthcare workers that we are all dependent on for our survival from receiving the vaccination. And what is more frustrating than the software glitches is that Hospital administrators are cutting in front of nurses to receive the vaccination. These being the same administrators who fought against the safe staffing ratio from two years ago, which would have increased Massachusetts's labor force to fight this very pandemic. Let us hope that they smooth out all of these errors and that we all learn the lesson to support nurses when they say that they need more staff. Charlie Baker signed on to the Multi-State Transportation and Climate Initiative earlier this week, which has the goal of reducing vehicle pollution by at least 26% and generating $1.8 billion over the next 10 years here in Massachusetts. How this initiative works is multiple states will now be using a cap and invest program, basically capping the amount of vehicle emissions a particular state is allowed to admit mandating that the fuel distributors, people who supply our gas, have to buy permits or credits to take up a portion of our carbon dioxide limit. 
think of it like the cap limit in the NFL. And as you get closer to or exceed the cap, a tax on gasoline will be initiated and increased. In a statement from the National Association of Convenience Stores, and they represent roughly 90% of fuel distributors here in Mass, they say, the program will result in higher costs without any meaningful environmental benefit. These higher costs will be most acutely felt by the Northeastern region's low-income communities. And I absolutely agree with their assessment, which feels odd saying I am agreeing with elements of our fossil fuel empire. Putting the burden on people who need to drive to work, on workers themselves, to do what is relatively marginal environmental benefits is both regressive and, I believe, overall damaging to our transition to a renewable energy grid. Rather than punishing low-income workers, asking them to bear the burden of a transition, we should be taxing the large corporations, the millionaires and billionaires in Massachusetts, whose lifestyles exponentially are more damaging to the environment. We should stop subsidizing the fossil fuel industry. But instead, it is always easier to put environmental reform on the backs of the working people. And it should be noted, when the same thing happened in France, an organized movement of labor took to the streets and fought against it. However, no such organized left exists here in Massachusetts. Despite the Massachusetts Democratic Party having a supermajority in the Massachusetts Senate, they caved to Charlie Baker's demand approving new language in the police reform bill that scaled back police accountability, getting rid of limits on the use of facial recognition software and allowing police themselves to dominate their oversight panel. The bill was already watered down to the bones, and this just makes it even more laughable. Having police police themselves, especially in the wake of the body camera footage that we all saw, and removing the one positive element of the bill, which was the ban on the use of facial recognition software, makes this a bill that isn't worth the paper it's printed on and should be voted down. We'll see what the Massachusetts House decides to do. Ending with some positive news. Sorry if today has been a little dark. A new study confirms what housing advocates have been saying all along, that providing permanent housing with support services to people who have been chronically homeless reduces health care costs, and a housing-first strategy is the most beneficial and economic way of combating homelessness. By providing people with permanent housing and then making services available should they choose to, the study found that the costs were 11.2% lower than they would have been in a control group of people living in shelters. Permanent housing reduces emergency room visits and increases the amount of primary care use, which everyone in the healthcare field tells you is the key solution to combating healthcare costs. It's always encouraging when a study proves you correct, and let us hope that we see more housing-first, permanent supportive housing solutions going forward. And that's going to do it for today's episode. Please continue to support the show in any way that you can. Scrolling down, quick five stars, one sentence review, retweet my stuff when you see it, follow me on TikTok. But besides that, take care and have a great rest of your day.